0: Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday
1: edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, after a pair of wins against a couple of very bad teams, the Raptors have basically locked up a playing spot. Yay! The 8th seed race now comes into focus. The Hawks, the Bulls, the Raptors, all vying for that all-important right to go on the road for one play-in game against the 7th seed. We will break down the mess. We will also talk about what we learned from the Raptors, if anything, over the course of this weekend. We'll do it with our pal Vivek, Jacob at Raptors.com. Let's get to it. Oh, because like, when I shot I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of mess. So.
2: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1368 of Lockdown Raptors for Monday, March the 27th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. We're covering to the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can go and follow the new Locked On Raptors Instagram page. Just search Locked On Raptors, you'll find it right there. Get little clips, bonus content, that type of stuff, and mailbag prompts, all the goods you get from old IG as I've taken the plunge 10 years too late. Also, we are uh, over on YouTube, please go subscribe there or wherever you get your podcast in audio form. It's free to do and it helps support the show, stroke my ego, all that good stuff. Thank you in advance for doing that. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. That's prizepix.com. Promo code locked on. All right, on today's show. A couple of uh, pretty ho hum wins against a couple of really bad teams over the weekend. They took care of business. That's good. They take down the Pistons 118.97. They take down the Wizards in pretty commanding fashion, minus a third-quarter hiccup on Sunday as well, 114-104. And we sit here on Monday. The Raptors are 37-38, and 38, tied with the Atlanta Hawks in the uh, win and loss department. They don't have the tiebreaker against the Hawks. They are tied in the loss column with the Bulls, who are one win behind. They have the tiebreaker over the Bulls, so that's nice. The vecjacobraptors.com is here. We're going to dive into the play in madness before we take a look at the games over the weekend, which, let's be honest, did we learn a whole lot? Probably not, but we'll try to sift through it the best we can. The play in derby is where it's at, though. Big V, are you excited? The race for the eight seed is on, baby. Can you feel the excitement and the passion flowing through the city?
3: Hey, we started the season <laughs> with hopes of getting home court. In the playoffs, and now mm-hmm. we're
1: going in with hopes of
3: getting home court in the play-in.
1: <laughs> Look, man, I can't help it. I'm a sucker for uh, games that have some meaning to them, and so I'm sitting here scoreboard watching. I'm flipping over to the Hawks-Grizzlies game after the Raptors end up uh, finishing off business against the Wizards. I am totally play-in pilled. I have a sickness. Whatever. It's fine. Um, let's dig into some numbers, shall we, of the three teams. Hawks, Bulls, Raptors, again, all tied at 38 losses. Uh, per... Tankathon, which uh, I guess is the best we have for determining strength of schedule. The Raptors have the second toughest schedule remaining. Uh, they play two of their five games against the tanktastic Hornets, who took down the very bad Mavericks twice over the weekend, which is hilarious, but they're still the Hornets. They're so not very good. The Raptors have handled them this season. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks have the third toughest remaining schedule. They also kind of stink. I have some thoughts on their game last night against the Grizzlies, which I saw three minutes of and it was enough to tell me this team ain't serious. Uh, They are playing all against teams with something to play for, except for a game against Washington, who's basically out of it now after last night. And then the Bulls come in playing the best basketball. They're 10 and five in the last 15. They've got a pretty decent looking starting five now with Patrick Beverly, and they have the 19th toughest schedule remaining but they have an extra win to make up. They play six teams with something to play for. They have a couple of, of sneakers in there as well. Um, but I think you have to be looking at, do the teams on the schedule have something to play for? That's more telling to me than just the straight win-loss, strength of schedule situation, as is usually the case in late March and April in the NBA. Um, I guess, give me your read on this, Big V. We'll dig into some of the arguments for and against, but just off the top of your head, who right now do you think you would pick if you had to lay some of your hard-earned money down on one of these teams to get the eighth seed, which again, there's a lot of advantages to it. Very valuable. One game as opposed to two that you got to win. Um, what's your, uh, sort of read right now? Hawks, bulls, Raptors, who you got for eighth baby? Well, I mean, the Raptors have
3: this game coming up against the heat, which is a massive one. And mm-hmm. then, uh, they go on the road. So yeah, don't feel great about that. But at the same time, when you look at the Hawks' schedule, They've got the Cavs, the Nets. um, Okay, the Mavs, that's a dicey situation.
1: Um, Oh, the Trey Young-Luka Doncic bowl between the two most depressing teams in the NBA? Woo, baby! That draft has taken some turns. Yeah. As the Kings sit perched atop (laughs) in the the very comfortable higher tier of the Western Conference as well. We love it. (laughs) And then to finish the season,
3: they might have a big say in the two-seed. Mm. Because they play Philly and Boston. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we know the Raptors are going to have a pretty big say in that because they play Boston twice.
1: Yep. And Uh, Philly
3: once. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. um, I think schedule-wise, it probably nets out even. Mm -hmm. And so I will lean towards things just remaining the way they are. And the Raptors will have home court in a game for nine and 10 against the Marta Rosen <laughs> and the Chicago Bulls.
1: Oh, that is uh Oh, rot with all sorts of bad downsides. Uh, just theoretically thinking about it. I think, look, I think of these teams, the Raptors are the best one in terms of the quality of their best players. Uh, Look, their starting five has been undeniably good. I don't know what to say. They've been very good. Uh, and, you know, Fred Van Vliet's playing very good basketball right now. OG Ananobi's playing very good basketball right now. Purtle's being Purtle. You know, Pascal's even had a bit of a bounce back after some down spells. Not a great game yesterday, but whatever. Um, I, I, I Look, and it's not like I'm uh, singing the praises of the Raptors to say they might be the best of these three teams, which are all about 500. They're all extremely mid. They're just kind of mid in different ways. And I think the Raptors' midness is maybe a little bit more reliable, whereas the Hawks kind of oscillate from, wow, they look amazing, to, wow, this is the most embarrassing team I've ever seen. And the Bulls can't score worth a damn, even though their defense has been locked in and very good. I I just think I kind of trust the Raptors most of these three teams. Not that there's a lot of trust to be spread around the table, as it were, Um as far as like the 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 probabilities, Basketball Reference has the Bulls as the the inside track for the eighth seed. And honestly, even though I think the Raptors are probably better on the whole than the Bulls, I think I might th- pick the Bulls right now to end up in that eighth seed because they're playing the best as of as of late, um, and their schedule is easier. You know, mm-hmm. again, I, I think the easiness of the schedule is kind of uh, it doesn't really tell the whole story just on the pure win percentage numbers and all that because of the various circumstances all these teams find themselves in. But the Bulls are playing better basketball right now. They also have a game against the Hawks. Uh, that's going to be a massive one coming up between those two teams between now and the end of the season that should determine quite a bit. Uh but yeah, Basketball Reference has them as a 35.8% favorite to get that eight seed. The Raptors are second at a 33.3. The Hawks are 23.2. I think the Hawks are going to be the ten seed. The Hawks stink. Uh, I turned over to that game last night against the Grizzlies. Close game, crunch time. And over the course of two minutes, there was one situation in a semi-transition opportunity where Xavier Tillman was allowed to just go and throw down a dunk while two guys on the Hawks got back pretty bad, and then they were playing keep away, the Grizzlies were with the Hawks, very successfully for like 14 seconds when the Hawks should have fouled instantly but could not try hard enough to chase down the ball and lay a foul on a guy to potentially give themselves more time to pull themselves back into that game. The Hawks are not serious. I just, I don't think they're a team to be worried about at all even in this three-team mass of teams that are all the same level of bad uh they to me feel like the flimsiest of the bunch so i'll go bulls eight raptors nine hawks ten raptors get the hawks in a home game in the play-in and uh probably win it because again the hawks stink um and look i <laughs> Throwing stones from a glass house here from the thirty-eight win team, be like, you stink. This the, the team that has the exact same record, but again, I think the Raptors are a more reliable level of mid versus the Hawks, who have some real peaks and valleys, and their valleys are really, really nasty looking. Um, yeah, you're on yeah. your own there. Associating the word reliable with the Raptors this season. <laughs> <laughs> I just – I I feel like a Raptors game is pretty easy to predict at this point as far as, like, the ups and downs of how it's going to go. I, I I don't know. I, and, like, again – I mean, you say those things about the the Hawks, but also, like, they lost by four to the Grizzlies. That's they not, did lose like, by four to the sure, Grizzlies. That is not, like <laughs> – Yes, that's true. I did not watch the first 45 minutes of that game, of that game but the last three minutes. And any time I watch the Hawks this season – I'm just like, really? This team is doing this, really? I I don't know that. to me, they're the worst of these three. Um, again, I think the Bulls—they're playing the best basketball right now. They have a defense that's kicking ass, so I'll probably skew them for the eighth seed. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's so the Bulls like they gotta play uh the Clippers, the Lakers, the
3: Grizzlies. Uh, you mm-hmm. mentioned that Hawks game. They got the Bucks, uh, mm-hmm. on
1: the road against Dallas. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. It's not the easiest schedule. It's not. Like, the, the strength of schedule thing is, I think... All season long, it's felt like a bit of a a misrepresentative stat all told, just because every team stinks. Like, and I guess this is like a bigger question we could maybe get into is like, how bad are the Raptors actually? Considering the scope of the league, everyone else is in the same boat. Like, the Mavericks are in 11th spot right now. Everyone is flailing about around 500. There's like 13 teams within four games of 500. Is it actually that dire for the Raptors, or are we just kind of stewing in our own juices a little bit here? That's maybe a question for another day. Day. But uh, yeah, well, quickly, any, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like part of why I don't have a, a lot of confidence in the
3: Raptors to finish up this uh, stretch is because of you know the fact that they are going on the road, and mm. uh, you know again after this Heat game they are on the road until the final home game of the uh, final game of the season, which yep. uh, which is home against the Bucks. And so mm. you look at the Raptors twenty five and fourteen at home, twelve and twenty four on the road, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of look at the other teams, they've kind of got it, you know, pretty even in terms of home and away games to mm-hmm, finish mm-hmm. up the season. So that's where, based on what the Raptors have been, I don't have a lot of confidence on the road.
1: Yeah, that's it's uh, a fair point, man. This <laughs> uh, what a, what a maddening maddening basketball team, and uh, and the whole that's you know. that's the way the league has been. Right
3: outside of a few yeah. teams, everyone is bad on the road, and that, yeah. And that to me is the biggest uh, sort of factor when looking at these final games and how teams are going to finish up.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, the bigger factor is like the level of how much each team in each game cares about winning it. Like the Bucks game at the end of the season is probably going to be a nothing game. The Bucs are yeah. probably going to rest everybody, right? And that very votes positive. for the yeah. Raptors. And I would also say it's very possible that by the time even the second Celtics game comes around, we know the fate of the two and three seeds. Right now, Boston is. Uh, two games in the lost column behind the Bucks and two games up in the lost column on the sixers. If that holds, you get to those final that final week and, and those games against Boston might mean, very little as well, depending on the results of the next week or so. So uh, it could break where the Raptors play exactly two teams for the rest of the season that care about winning. And uh, that would be, uh, I guess, helpful. But uh, we shall see. We're going to come back on the other side, dig into our big takeaways from the weekend. Uh, you may have noticed we have kind of danced around talking about the Pistons and Wizards games because those games were... Uh, the epitome of huh all right cool uh <laughs> they happened I guess we will get into that pull away any takeaways we might be able to glean from the weekend that was coming up next but first gotta tell you about our friends over at prize picks who have made daily fantasy sports fun and easy and super accessible. You might be like me where you just hate the season long grind of daily fantasy sports. I I just can't do it anymore. I don't have the attention span. I don't care to set my lineup when injuries befall my team in the middle of the week. It's just not something I'm into. But with prize picks, you don't got to worry about that cuz every single day you got a fresh entry you can put in. All you got to do is pick 2 to 6 players on a given entry and predict whether they will score more or less than the given stat they're projected for. For example, Pascal Siakam, 22 and a half points, you could say more or less if you get that right, that's a notch in your belt on your entry. If you get all six of your picks correct, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. That is awesome. Prize Picks also offers projections on any sport you want to watch, whether it's the NBA, NFL, college basketball, and the men's and women's sides. The WNBA is coming up, esports, NASCAR, tennis, cricket, all of it's there. Go and check it out. I saw you can't see Vivek right now as I'm doing this re, but when I mentioned cricket, his eyes got big. I saw him in the back of the studio. That's because cricket's there as well. All the sports are, again, safe and fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states in Canada as well. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit 100 bucks, Prize Picks will match that. That's amazing. That's a wonderful deal. Go right now. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 with prize picks.
2: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA available on youtube and wherever you get podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
1: all right we continue on here with uh big v monday It's a, it's a, it's our rite of passage here on the podcast as we dig into weekend takeaways we're at the point of the season big v where there's not a whole lot left to learn was there anything to be gleaned for you from this weekend of the raptors taking care of business against a couple of depleted and not very good basketball teams
3: um well number one it was good to see og bounce back from that one off night mm-hmm. he's had mm-hmm. two very good games obviously had that incredible first quarter uh last night and so mm-hmm. i think uh the thing that really impresses me is uh his mid-range jumper and yeah i think the balance with which he's rising up on them is mm-hmm. really, really good, and uh, there's also times where it's not coming off a move, like yeah, it, it's it's just catching and shooting in the mid range, and I'm like, that's that's where he's at his best. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's been a real positive. I thought watching Boucher against the Pistons was really interesting because it was like they had two bigs for the majority of the night. Uh, and, uh, I thought that was something that played to his strengths where he kind of just gets to be helter skelter and they're too big and slow to keep up with him (laughs) 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 and, and, and it works. And so I thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, those are probably a couple of the bigger takeaways. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Pascal has been kind of up and down, um, and has phased in and out and his defense hasn't really been there. So. Uh, I think that is something you look at and say, not great, not ideal, not the way you want to finish up the season. Obviously, overall, he's doing enough to get the numbers, Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe process-wise, it's not looking the best.
1: Yeah, I continue to think Pascal just looks like he's uh, running on empty. Uh, the legs are dragging. The the sort of the legs aren't there on a lot of the jumpers. Although, uh, it should be noted, he's shooting 35.5% from three on north of four attempts a game since the Aka-Purtle trade. That's important. That's valuable. That's good to see. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, his defense, I think, has slipped. I, I think he just looks pretty exhausted. And that stinks, but that's the toll of playing... 42 minutes a night for the first two thirds of the season, I suppose, and having to carry uh, the day for a team that didn't have a whole lot else going on. Um, Yeah, for me, I I just, I I think I'm kind of over learning things about this team. I think I believe in the starting five. I think that's going to be a pretty good group. I I I think they, you know, plus 11.5 net rating and over 200 minutes. Now, Uh, offense would be best in the NBA defense will be best in the NBA it's it's a good looking lineup i i think that's something to build upon both for the rest of this season and going into next year if you bring your guys back um i think the back end of the roster is where i have a lot of questions i feel like when will barton goes out with an injury you shouldn't be like uh-oh uh but like uh oh! Like <laughs> I just, they're they're pretty thin, man. And Precious Achua obviously comes back from injury. That's nice to see, but he plays six minutes, and I think clearly doesn't have the full trust right now of the, of the coaching staff. And he probably shouldn't. He was good in that Bucks game, but otherwise he's been pretty rough for a while now. Ever since the trade, and so like for me, the the back end of this roster is just not good enough. And, and I, I don't think that's going to change by the end of the season. I I think that's going to be the biggest thing to look at in the offseason if the front office does in fact believe in this core is filling out roster spots 7 through 13 more effectively. Um, But hey, you know, they uh, shout out to the bench dudes. They helped close that game out against the Wizards after the starters pissed away the third quarter. So uh, (laughs) maybe there's progress to be had there. I'm not sure. Um, I guess, what's your overall... Feeling of like I've been kind of looking at this season as two parts, right? Like the pre Yak Raptors and the post Yak Raptors. Pre Yak, obviously, they were very uninspiring. They were 26 and 30, I think. They had a six game losing streak baked in there. Everyone was losing their minds, justifiably so. It was not a good basketball team since then. 11-8 and eight with Jakob Pertl, 17th in offense, 9th in defense, plus 1.9 net rating, uh, obviously bu- bu- buoyed by a couple of these games against bad teams, but that's the NBA. There's a lot of teams out there with not a lot of good players who are not playing or all that stuff. Like, everyone gets these games against teams to balloon their numbers. Um, do you feel markedly different about what the team is now versus what it was before? Do you feel uh like the raptors are justified in what they did at the deadline seeing what they've been since like I, I guess we're now kind of at the point where we've learned enough about what they look like with yak that we can start to draw some conclusions about was it the right move and did the Raptors maybe misplay this whole thing or maybe that they've set themselves up for, you know, maybe they've gotten their off season taken care of early and are setting themselves up for next season pretty decently. Where are you at with the whole yak experience and where things (laughs) sit now that we've got, you know, nearly 20 games of sample of what this looks like.
3: The yak experience has been good. No doubt. I think he's been huge in addressing the weaknesses of this team. Uh, I think you look at, The defense uh there's less sort of just complete you know (laughs) moses parting the red Sea type moments Mm -hmm. Um, and i think that's been healthy Uh, i think obviously what he offers fred in the pick and roll that has been super important uh he shored up the rebounding um he's i think he's made them a better offensive rebounding team not just in terms of getting more offensive rebounds, it's also like, hey, we don't have to send like three guys to mm-hmm. the glass to get the offensive board anymore, because he sure. will just get it. So theoretically, that offers you the opportunity to play better transition defense. Um, now that hasn't materialized. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do think that uh, it does offer up that possibility. I'm still skeptical of the long-term fit. The The starting lineup numbers are very good, but mm-hmm. I think in terms of finding, you know, the right pairings to go with the bench to prop up those units, I think the way the team is set up, there's just not enough shooting to mm. do that. Sure. And so somehow that needs to be addressed. Uh, you know, it, in terms of the numbers yeah there's stuff to read into with like you know getting scotty to play with og versus Mm -hmm. pascal the the scotty pascal minutes i mean i I was just pulling it up uh let me see if i can find it scotty and pascal on the court um and this is with fred and og off the court Mm -hmm. uh 442 possessions on the season they are a minus five net rating yeah um So it hasn't been healthy. Um Scotty and OG on the court, uh, Pascal and Fred off the court, 396 Mm -hmm. possessions. So far, they're a plus two. Yep. So um, at least in comparison to that Pascal Scotty unit, uh, that's a plus seven almost. So Mm -hmm. um, I think that's something that you gotta look at. Uh and again, right? I think I think it fits that theoretical idea of like oh okay you have Scotty plus a guy that can floor space and attack a closeout um mm-hmm. whereas Pascal uh, you know they want to operate in kind of similar areas and you know you don't necessarily get the spacing so all those things factor in uh, in terms of how you have to evaluate the off season mm-hmm. um and who uh you're kind of building around going forward and what type of ceiling you're trying to achieve as well for the 2023-24 season. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, how much of that do you think boils down to, like, an inherent flaw in the Scotty-Pascal duo? Because, like, you play those guys with the right players, and I feel like those lineups are usually pretty damn good, and they do complement each other well. Um, It's when you play them with Precious Achua and Chris Boucher and Malachi Flynn or Christian Coloco, and it it gets just—there's not nearly enough shooting punch, and you don't really get the advantages of— what a Pascal Scotty two-headed monster can give you if you actually have supporting players around them to be effective. So do you think it's more of an issue with those two? Or do you think it's more of sort of what I was talking about, the the back end of the roster being kind of ass and the difficulty in creating these pairings, especially when a Gary Trent Jr. is out? And, look, things shouldn't fall apart when Gary Trent Jr. is out of the lineup necessarily, but they kind of do offensively because he is such a huge valve of release for this team is it again is it a scotty pascal thing or do you think it's uh they don't have enough good players to pair with them type of situation um i probably
3: lean towards it being more of a scotty pascal thing again like i think they can play together and be very effective in terms of getting uh their games off but i don't see that, you know, being married to impact basketball in terms mm. of what what the score looks like. Uh, and so I think that's where my concern is. Mm. Um, like, you could put them on the court and both could finish with 20 and 10 mm. uh, and 5 or whatever you want to call it. And I don't think the results on the court as a whole, uh, as a five-man unit, look great. So I think that's where my concern is. Um, The shooting, like, is just too important in the league now, Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think again, the extent to which Gary is important is too high, right? (laughs) Even like when we talk about Will Barton's like theoretical spacing, which has not panned out, right? Mm -hmm. All of those things, it's like, man, the Raptors just need shooting so badly, and Mm -hmm. when you look at their five-man unit, that starting lineup is very, very good. I just think in terms of the ways you can build out your lineups after that, because there's only two shooters in that starting lineup, it makes it difficult, Mm. right? Like it's just Fred
1: and OG in terms of Mm -hmm. legit volume knockdown shooters. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I hear what you're saying. I guess I, I skew more to I think it's they don't have enough players to pair with those guys. So it's like, I mean, we're a year removed from Scotty and Pascal being the two best players on a team that won every game down the stretch and put a little spook into the Sixers as well. You know, it sucks that they lost the early games in that series due to a whole cavalcade of factors, but like they were unquestionably very good. And those two guys were the two best players on the team down the stretch last year. So I think it can work if you have those two. I I don't see there being some gross overlap in their abilities or anything like that. And I think if Pascal, can carry the volume and accuracy he's had since the trade. Then I do think it's viable. He's 36% on four attempts a game. Like that is perfectly fine. Yeah.
3: So I, I think personally for me, like that run had so much to do with how good the defense was like, they were legitimately a top five defense. And I think we've seen this season, that type of defense get exposed. And I think there was a surprise element to that playing that style of basketball, uh, that, that we kind of took for granted, right? Coming into this season, like we thought, okay, they figured out the defense. This is who they are going to be. Um, and this season we've seen that be exposed, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think that, uh, what, to your point about building out the roster better and having a better bench, I 100% agree that the Raptors need a better bench. I also. Don't see how, if you commit the type of money it's going to take to those five, six guys, Mm. if you include Gary in that mix, how you build out that bench.
1: Yeah, that's fair. It's, uh, (laughs) things can get uncomfortable this summer, man. I, you know, I talked about it on Friday, like the the possibility of a Pascal deal. I still would bet against it. I think it's probably premature in whatever their sort of building timeline is here, but... Uh, it could come it could be what they do It'd bum me out but i think it's uh it's certainly something that's on the table is like a thing that could happen this summer no doubt um i, I still think the pascal Scotty duo can be just fine uh, and trading away good players for the sake of trading away good players not so smart but we can leave that for now. We will have that conversation plenty going into the off season. We're going to come back on the other side, get to the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out this show. We'll run through some good stuff, some bad stuff, some interesting stuff from the weekend that was. We'll get to that in a sec, but first... Got to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who make the best tasting protein bars in the game, and right now, the Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you got a favorite bar or puff, and now it's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know, I'm going to be voting for that peanut butter brownie all the way through. I'm actually not sure if it's still alive. I don't have the bracket in front of me. It should be alive, because it's fantastic. If not, some Florida Atlantic-level upset has taken place. Either way, you can go over right now and vote for the bar that you want to win. Then, you can go and win some bars as a result when you vote for your favorite bar or puff you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners will get a free box of built not only that but one locked on fan will get a 12 month subscription to Built to have built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door to that is awesome you got to go try built They're the best tasting protein bars in the game that make you feel like you're being indulgent when in fact you're fueling your body with the good stuff run to builtmarchmadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there and again you can vote in every day in march so hop on in and support your pick
2: the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama.
1: Alright, let's get into it now. The good, the bad, and the hmm. To round out your Monday episode of Locked on Raptors, I'm going to go with my good first because you kind of spoiled it earlier. It's OG Ananobi's offensive outburst, baby. Um, the mid-range game. I got some numbers for you. Since the Jakob Pirtle trade, which again is the official start of the new season to me. Uh, numbers since the trade, he is 91st percentile in the NBA in effective field goal percentage. He is 81%, 100th percentile from the long mid range, uh, 81%. That is bananas. He is 52% on all mid Rangers. That's 81st percentile, uh, 86% on three pointers made. And he's doing all this big V on a 15.9% usage rate since the trade. The usage has gone down, but it's gotten a hell of a lot more effective. It's peak dream OG Ananobi for me. As you mentioned, the point you made about how a lot of his mid-rangers are coming just kind of within the flow, catch-and-shoot mid-ranger stuff, he's not sort of barreling his head down and driving into these shots and having to pull up all the time, that to me... Feels like the difference. They've cut out the fat. They've cut out the, all right, OG, just go ISO this guy possessions. It really feels like they just kind of streamlined where his looks are coming from. And it's been bloody effective. He is averaging 1.31 points per shot attempt. 88th percentile in the league since the Yakupurtle trade. He's just been a devastatingly efficient play finisher, which is what this Raptors team needs. He's been awesome. That is my good. Uh, Big V, what was your good from the weekend?
3: uh I am gonna go with the same as you
1: Um. (laughs) some unoriginal ideas here huh plagiarism (laughs) 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 no there just wasn't a whole lot else to pull from the weekend it was a very nondescript uh weekend of games I understand (laughs) yeah and you know we probably don't get to talk as uh talk about OG
3: as often as we should um so, yeah, let's just ride the OG train because mm-hmm. uh, March has been all about OG. And uh, yeah, I think w- what he's doing this month is absolutely sensational. Um, when you look at the numbers, I think uh, he's pretty much looking like, you know, one of the I mean, I think you can say he's firmly the best three uh, and D guy now that Michael Bridges <laughs> 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 has taken himself out of that category by just being a, a damn all star level player. Uh-huh, uh huh. So, Uh, I think OG has has that category all to himself. Yeah. Uh, March 18.7 points. Um, He's shooting 56% from the field, 48% from three um, on 6.3 attempts per game. Uh, The steals are at 1.8. Need that to be a bit higher just to make sure he wraps up that steals title um, Mm -hmm. and stays in that, uh, you know, all defensive first team conversation. Uh, I, I think, I think he's been good enough to make the first team. Um, Mm -hmm. And so hopefully we see that happen.
1: For sure. Let me, so let's pick up on the thing we talked about before the break the whole Scotty Pascal duo. Is it, you know, an inherently flawed situation there? How much of your potential, I don't want to say desire, because I don't think anyone wants to see Pascal get dealt, but your potential okayness with the idea of maybe a Pascal move in the summer. How much of that is informed by what OG is doing offensively? Do you think he's doing enough offensively to justify potentially moving on your All NBA player in the interest of I don't know fit or more harmony on the floor? Uh, does OG's offensive push of late change your thinking in that in that sort of regard at all? Um.
3: I would say I'm not only just looking at it from a Pascal
1: okay. angle. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have painted it such a black and white situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Clearly, they're trading Scotty Barnes for a star. <laughs> uh, that's what's going down here.
3: <laughs> yeah, like to, as far as I'm concerned, all options are open. Um, sure. I think the biggest certainty to come back is Jakob Perto because of the, mm-hmm. the, the what you gave up in the trade. Um, mm-hmm. and the fact that you acquired his bird rights like you're doing those things to bring him back so sure uh <laughs> i think i would put him as certainty number one to be back um i think with regards to um og's offense feeling you know making me feel better about other things um i don't know if it's so much that i, I think i probably say it's more so uh what he offers defensively what he uh, where he fits in age-wise, mm. um, if you do, like, say, if you were to uh, focus on, like, a Scotty built team, mm-hmm. like, OG's still 25, like, you, you would put him next to that, and it fits just fine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, I think that's where I'd probably look at it and say, yeah, the fit is there. Um, I think to really believe in OG's offense, I would have to see it over an extended period. Yeah. Um I've seen them have good months before, uh scorching months before even. Mm-hmm. Uh and so unless I saw it for like an entire season or heck, you know, even an entire like three three month stretch, then I'd be like, okay, yeah, there there seems like some it seems like something's happening here. Right.
1: Yeah. I think for me the the Pascal Scotty thing is kind of independent of OG, truthfully. And I, I don't think the answer is uh trade Pascal to make it Scotty's team and you know everyone else will fill in and fill in the gaps, OG will fill in the gaps. Because like look, I love OG. He's averaging one point nine assists a game this season. He is not a playmaker, he's a play finisher, and that is a perfectly fine player to have when you consider all he does, how efficient he is, and of course the defense he brings to the table, but you're talking about a team that struggles on offense as it is. If you're just going to pluck out Pascal Siakam's shot creation, and I'm, I don't know who they're trading him for. My thinking here is probably you're trading him for like multiple pieces is like the the, the, the move that happens in the offseason if you're going to do it, um, which is why I don't think it's actually going to happen. It's why I think it's a little premature for a Pascal deal. Uh, but either way, like if you take Pascal's playmaking out of here, Oh boy, things get even more grim. Like Scotty's not ready to be a full-time, on-the-ball guy all the time. Fred Van Vliet can't be your number one ball handler. Say what you will about Pascal. He's had a bit of a rough go of late, but he is easily the best shot creator on this team, not just for himself, but for others. And like move on from him lightly is what I would say. I don't think OG just walks in to fill the Pascal void offensively. He just doesn't have the playmaking repertoire or, or anything resembling what Pascal does with the way he can create for others. So um, that's kind of my read on that. That said, OG rocks very happy with OG when he's done of late. And he is a really, really nice player to have regardless of who the sort of uh the, the play drivers are going to be on this team. Let's get to the bad quickly, shall we? Um, What you got for your bad?
3: Um, I think just these stretches, again, where it's like a constant reminder of like, oh, don't get too excited about this team. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, The third uh,
1: quarter against Washington in particular? Yeah. Yep, 100%. -hmm.
3: That's my bad. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I, I think that's when... The Jakob-Perdahl trade was made. It was like, okay, let's see what this looks like over the final stretch. Let's see if this is all that's been needed to fix the team. Um, and, you know, while the starting lineup has been very good, I think that sort of stench is still remains. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Febreze only lasts so long. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And uh, yeah, I think Pertle, the human for breeze bottle, is this what you're calling him? Wow, yeah, pretty much. Pretty, uh, so. pr- pretty, pretty harsh critique. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I,
3: I, I just think that this team um, has been frustrating from that standpoint. I think uh, they're disjointed. I thought, I think even now in the press conferences, maybe maybe they feel uh, more at liberty. Uh, to say things uh, Mm. or like, you know, passive aggressively suggest things uh, because they know they're near the end. Um, Mm. I thought Pascal's comments, like I literally just asked him about Coloco's defensive communication. And Mm -hmm. then he's like, yeah, we got a bunch of guys that kind of just do their own thing. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, he didn't need to say that, but he did. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, uh, I think, Fred gets asked a question about, you know, four year guys not getting valued correctly in the draft. Um, and he's kind of like, yeah, you know, people love potential. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh,
1: so, who do you I, think, I think that's at, like directed towards? Like,
3: um, I don't know. Who's the one guy with the uh, potential labeled all over? <laughs> uh, so, I I do think there's uh, tension in the locker room. I do think there's frustrations. Um, And I think, you know, part of like the disjointed basketball, the uh, lack of connected basketball, like you think of the Raptors over the years, you think of a team that, you know, the whole is bigger than the sum of its parts. And this season has been far removed from that. Mm -hmm. So just continuing to see those stretches, um, it's clear that, That is something that needs to be seriously addressed in the offseason.
1: Yeah, man. I miss when the Raptors were the team that annoyed everybody because they played so goddamn hard. And that doesn't, like, they were getting out tried by the Washington Wizards yesterday. And look, the Wizards, I think, like, credit to them, they've actually been kind of a, a frisky team all year, even though I think they're bad. They've tried quite hard, and that's probably lifted them to a higher station than they really deserve to be on talent. But um yeah that was it was notable in that third quarter and, and like look also there's human nature you're up pretty big against a bad team I understand maybe letting the foot off the gas a little but like to go down 26 to nine to start that quarter not amazing uh not what you want when things matter and we're talking about razor thin margins and uh you know the the advantage of moving up to eighth versus not all of that maybe they don't care maybe they don't care about the plane I don't know but Um, yeah, something feels a little fishy. Something feels a little off. I I think we're going to talk about it. I mean, the possibility of a coaching change, I think, looms large after the season is over just as, like, a change of the vibes and the mix. Um, we'll we'll get into all of that as we go forward here. But, yeah, that that third quarter against Washington, like, they had the—it was right there for them to have, uh— Easy stroll to victory against the Pistons and an easy stroll to victory against the Wizards. And we come out of here feeling, hey, you know, they took care of business wonderfully. But then that third quarter kind of, you know, sours the whole mood. It stinks. Um, Let's get to the hmm quickly, shall we? I I guess my hmm is uh, what do you think they're going to do with Jeff Doughton? I also don't know what to think about Jeff Doughton because he looks great whenever he's in there. But is it like, is he great by comparison because of the rest of the backup guards stink and he's just like a a different kind of bad, just a slightly better version of it. Uh, He had a nice game Friday. He had a big three yesterday. I think he probably is at least decent. I think he's better than Malachi Flynn, for example, again, damning with faint praise, but you know, he's got what three, four days left on his two way deal do you expect they will make him playoff eligible by making him a full-time player? And will that come at the expense of a Joe camp or something like that? Um, what's your sort of read on the Doubton situation to close things out here?
3: Yeah, I like Doughton. Um, I think he's been pretty good, but uh, as you say, you know, it's like, what is it relative to? And so mm-hmm. even when you evaluate like,
1: I look pretty good when i go to the ymca and play against teens like so just stronger than them i don't know what to say um yeah like even when you evaluate like fred's
3: plus minus right it's like how much of this is because you know his value above the replacement is just so insane <laughs> um and so i think without he's been good um i think there's quite a ways he has to go Offensively, just yeah. in terms of like take your shot, you know, like yeah, there was that three he hit uh last night. Um, and it was like those opportunities come to him more often than not, and more often than not, he kind of just defers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can even see sometimes there were fast break opportunities where it's like instead of just like running the lane, he's kind of in between. Cause he's like just expecting whoever his teammate is on the break to just take it all the way. And then, you know, it's like, Oh, he catches it in an in-between space. And now he's just like dribbling it back out. Um, and so I think little things like that, uh, he could get sharper on offensively, defensively. I really don't have many complaints. Um, you no, know, he's good. Yeah. As a rookie, like he'll, he'll learn um, like fouling and all that stuff uh, better. Um, But I think, you know, he understands the game at a high level. And I think defensively, he is very, very good.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, just, uh, by the way, our pal Blake Murphy, he checked with the league, confirmed that he's not eligible to play Doughton. Not Blake. Uh, Blake can play anytime he wants. But uh, Jeff Doughton's not eligible for the play-in games as a two-way, so he'd have to be converted before then. And as Blake notes, the three guys with no guaranteed money for next year that could potentially get waived... Uh, Delano Banton, Will Barton and Joe Wieskamp also we mentioned Thad as a potential possibility they could eat a million bucks for next year um, but that is uh, the situation as it stands right now I I, I feel like he's more useful than Joe Wieskamp uh, just put him on the team instead of Joe Wieskamp I think I'm fine with that but maybe they have bigger ambitions for Camp, a guy who will be one of those shooters who makes the whole thing work makes Scotty and Pascal sing as a bench combination and all of that uh, we are gonna wrap it there Thank you so much for tuning in. We will uh, be back again tomorrow. S. Henny of the SDPN is going to jump on. We're going to take a look at the back end of the Raptors roster. How can the Raptors go about filling in a better back end of the roster? We'll talk about all of that tomorrow as we get ready for Raptors Heat on Tuesday. Big V, anything you got to promote here at the end of this very overlong episode in which I feel like we got a lot of stuff out?
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think you are right. Um, yeah, just usual stuff. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I have a back, I'm Jacob and check out Raptors.com
1: hell yeah go do it uh you can find me over on twitter at woodley sean don't follow me on twitter don't use twitter what are we doing here uh, instagram though locked on raptors on instagram follow over there that's very cool uh support the channel i think i'm unlocked in two days uh so i'll be able to post stuff from there again because meta is just as bad as all the other companies uh- <laughs> Don't listen to me, Zuckerberg, please. Please don't block me forever. Um, Also, YouTube, please go subscribe. Do the good thing. Uh, Leave comments, leave ratings, leave reviews, all that good stuff. It's always appreciated. And we will talk to you again tomorrow with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Thanks for hanging, everyone. Bye-bye.